You're listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, Episode 12, brought to you by Earsome Emporium. If you're looking for any custom Mickey ears or any leather goods, check out Earsome Emporium on Etsy. That's E-A-R-S-O-M-E-M-P-O-R-I-U-M. Earsome Emporium. Yeah, I got a, uh, a custom Harry Potter wand holder at Earsome Emporium for wandering around the Universal Parks. It is absolutely awesome. Um, super cool, well-crafted. Um, it allows you to actually enjoy the theme park without having to carry around a wand. And if you really want to enjoy Universal Harry Potter, you need to have one of the wands with a little chip at the end. Oh, yeah. Because then you can activate things. But at the same time, it's a pain in the butt because you also want to, you know, be able to hold your kid's hand or be able to, you know, get a butterbeer or some other snack. It really allows you to have your wand at at the ready (laughs) Um, and and be hands-free still. Check out Earsome Emporium. Really cool stuff. And thanks to them for uh, being a fan of the show. to the Give Me Five podcast. I'm Rob, and I'm here with my boo, Greg. What's up? And my main man, Jimmy. Yo. And here on the Give Me Five podcast, the three of us discuss five things that entertained us for the week. This week, we're going to discuss Never Hike Alone, Nocturnal, the new EP by The Midnight, the Lore TV series, the TV series Orville, and Dance with the Dead, Ghost Moon Dragon. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm leaving this in, but that is Dance with the Dead, Ghost, and Moon Dragon. It's a concert we went to. Um, the reason why I'm leaving it in, however, is because uh, Jimmy actually overheard someone at the concert say, calling the band Ghost as well, if I remember. That was you, right? Yeah, and I heard that several times from several people. I even heard one guy. It was very obvious that a lot of people were there for Dance with the Dead, mm-hmm. and I heard one guy in front of me say oh man i'm only stick around for the first song by ghost and if it doesn't grab my attention then i'm leaving i was like wait a minute <laughs> no yeah that that is ghost uh, but that's okay we all know your we all know your opinions of of music and that is not a spoiler speaking of spoilers jimmy this is a review show and there will be spoilers we will try to avoid any major twists for example, if you did not know that building a house on an Indian barrel ground is a terrible idea, or that Greg has consumed more pumpkin spice lattes than most sororities, then you might want to hold off, come back, and rejoin us later. You know, I actually wrote that spoiler while drinking a pumpkin spice latte and watching Poltergeist. So gross. I, I actually believe that. I'm not li- It's 100% true. I've seen you and your pumpkin spice lattes. So nasty. I have a problem. You do. And if anyone would like to refer someone to me to try to fix that problem, you can feel free to contact us at at give me pumpkin five spice pod. lattes are disgusting at <laughs> gmail.com or at Jimmy is wrong at aol.com. Uh, give me five pod at AOL. Twitter or an Instagram. Give me five podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us. 
And, of course, you can always leave us a review on iTunes um, or whatever podcast app you are using. By the way, and I'm going off script here, uh, you will notice that when you are looking at us on iTunes or uh, Instagram or whatever, you have you will see a brand new logo. And we yes. are official now. We officially have a logo. Yeah, as opposed to the one that I had to, to throw up because um, I, we just needed a logo to get ourselves listed. So I threw one together real quick using just an emulator and contacted a remarkably talented artist, Katie Bernier. And she obviously she had some other stuff going on, so she did you know, she put us on her list and because she's so talented, she, you know, has a pretty decent client list and was doing a bunch of other stuff. And she finally got back to me with the logo. It was exactly what I was looking for. It was awesome. And uh, we are really happy to I guess produ- to produce under said logo. Uh, and you know we're going to start making stuff, and it's perfect for uh, stickers, T-shirts. Jimmy had mentioned pins, so keep an eye out. And uh, thank you, Katie. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Katie. So, anything new, guys? Well, I guess we'll just get the bad news out of the way. Um, EA Electronic Arts, the huge um, umbrella corporation that produces. Uh, you know, 60% of the video games that come out now, I guess, um, not an actual fact. EA <laughs> has closed the doors on Visceral Games. And this is uh, relevant because last time we did discuss our favorite horror-themed video games, and Dead Space made all of our lists, and it did make our top five, and it was very, very high up there. And personally, I had been hoping for a Dead Space 4 no matter what your opinion was on Dead Space 3, whether you liked it or not, I really hope that it would That was come the one back. that was the microtransaction one where everyone got pissed off that it was just a money grab after money grab after money grab after money grab. Yeah. Huh. That sounds like the current EA formula. Yes. Would, would it be fair to say that EA is the Microsoft of the video game world? <laughs> Very close to that, I would say. Um, I don't know about Microsoft, maybe more on the Apple side. Yeah, so but well, that's a whole other tangent. Yeah, while we have our opinions on microtransactions and uh, the way that money is being made, um, sadly, it did not go to Visceral, who was currently producing a linear Star Wars game. Uh, linear meaning, you know, very straightforward. I'm, I'm assuming no huge multiplayer influence, and maybe that just didn't work out for EA. So. Um, that title is, um, I don't know if it's in danger. It's been reported that the Star Wars game that was being produced by Visceral has been shipped up north to, um, EA, north of our voters. Uh, no, it's not Toronto, it's Vancouver. Um, so. Yeah, what I heard was that it went from a linear game where you could just sit down and play a game, which is what the three of us old guys, I'm assuming, like more. To something more of like a destiny route where you're constantly dealing with other people. Right. Well, And I really don't want to deal with other people. I, I have to admit that I will probably never buy another EA game without first getting some kind of in-depth review of it. Because every, recently, every game that I've dealt with from EA is, is a cheap money grab. They don't care about the gaming experience. They don't care about their clientele. They want your money, and they want you to go away. They don't really support. They don't fix the problems. They basically say, F you, deal with it, we're done. Um, and I I, think, I don't I really... Think, uh, 
Go ahead. No, I think uh, both Jimmy and I have plenty of friends that have gone off to work at EA or at some of their subsidiaries. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I won't say any names, of course, but it's not a friendly place to work. You know, it's not. People don't stay. People work really long hours. People, you know, they're overworked, obviously, that long hour thing. And it just, it, there's something, I'll, I'll go horror route here. There's something insidious over there. Yeah, there um, you go. He is making an insidious game? <laughs> I'd buy that. <laughs> I'd wait for the review. Would you purchase uh, in-game items uh, for that? Only if it makes that weird devil guy go away. Uh, right. I'm 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 done purchasing stuff from EA Games. Um, it, I I complained about this to Greg. The game that that we've been playing, the uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. They and our highly ranked guild. Thank you very much. Absolutely, absolutely. But they have made absolutely no effort to hide the fact that it's a thinly veiled money grab. They they make stuff impossible for you to get. They don't give you any notice unless you're willing to spend literally thousands of dollars to play this game. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous. And I I used to spend money on it, and I, I categorically refuse to spend anything on this game anymore. I'll play it because I still like the concept of the game, but I am nowhere near competitive. I won't be competitive anywhere soon because I'm not willing to spend thousands of dollars on it. It is absolutely ridiculous. And it's a shame that they've destroyed, you know, a lot of the fun for the game. Yeah, and I don't but, I don't spend all that much on it, but that's not just because my wife listens to this podcast. <laughs> um, I really haven't spent all that much on it because, uh, I don't know, I'm just cheap. But... Yeah, you, I mean, you hear people that have talked about it, and they've they've spent thousands and thousands of dollars, and you know they'll they'll spend fifty dollars to get a partial character that's mm. not even playable yet. Yeah, and that's fifty. That's a whole other game. That's the cost of a whole other game. Yeah, just for a character that you might that be you, able to finally that level you up. can't use yet. Mm. Like the the one of the ones that really got me was the um, they released the Captain Han Solo character, and you could spend twenty bucks to get to get forty shards. For Captain Han Solo. And a shard is how you unlock... We're going way down the well, nerd yeah, rabbit hole here. Yeah. A shard is uh, how you unlock a character. You ha- and you have to, you have to collect get 60 so or 80 right. or 100 or whatever. But And I think you needed like 65 you, or something. No, no, you, you needed so. 80. You needed 80 yeah. to unlock him. So you could pay 20 bucks and still not have enough to actually be able to use the character. It is such a cheap money grab in there. <laughs> I Like I said, I won't pay for another game from EA without a decent review of it. Uh, we do have some good video game news. Yes, so. we do, and and this personally connects with me, and I'm I'm not exactly sure why I didn't have this listed in my top five last week. Uh, I would consider it horror themed in a way. There are horror themed characters in the game, but I don't know if you guys remember the game Mutant League Football. I actually do not. Silence. Okay, so no, mut- I I remember it vaguely, <clears throat> but not enough to to discuss it without possibly lying about things that I don't really remember. Well, Mutant League Football was a football game, and it came out in a time, I don't if you guys remember, speaking back to EA, who has a firm grip on the NFL, uh, mm-hmm. the reason that we don't see any other football games produced by any other companies is because EA has exclusive rights for Madden with the NFL, and I don't think that's ever going to go away. The devil! But, um, like I was saying, Mutant League Football was a, a football game... Uh, it had 
it had characters. Uh, there was like a Bo Jackson character, but his name was like Bones Jackson. Um, you could be monsters. Uh, you know, there was a skeleton football team, and it was really fun. There were different themed fields. I remember one had almost zero gravity, so it was kind of like a rubber moon world where you would bounce around. Um, there were meteor holes in the surface of some of the fields that you'd have to run around. Otherwise you'd fall in. Uh, but the trailer, um, has been released just in the past week and a half for mutant football league, which is a remake. Yes. I did say mutant football league, not mutant league football. (laughs) I'm sure there's some reason why you can't say mutant league football, but it's a reboot and early access is now available on steam and coming I think early 2018, there will be a full PC and console release. So if you're tired of just playing licensed NFL teams in your football games and you are a fan of horror and you remember games like NFL Blitz, um, MLB Slugfest, those kind of wacky out there, hard-hitting games where you'd powerbomb somebody after you made a big, big hit, definitely check out Mutant, Mutant Football League. I am very excited to play this again, and I hope it doesn't disappoint. But by you know, in my opinion, the trailer looks awesome. So check it out. Uh, one last little video game thing. Uh, while I was at that show, at, well, the show we're going to talk about in a little bit, Dance with the Dead. While I was there, I ended up talking to one of the members of Dance with the Dead. His name is Tony Kim, and we were talking about the podcast and things like that. And he, first of all, he, I asked him about his, if we could play some of his music on the podcast, and his exact words were, "Play the shit out of it." So you're going to be hearing some Dance with the Dead tonight. Nice. Also, he said um, that his vote, I mentioned the, the question of last week, because it was on top of our, on my mind, and he said that the scariest game he's ever played is uh, The Evil Within 2, which just actually came out within the past couple weeks. And I, I played Evil Within the first one. It is difficult. Uh, I, what I remember from that game is I really liked some of the reactions of non-player characters. Like, if I remember correctly, like you'd be you'd be trying to evade something and whatever that was you were trying to evade would like take out just a random civilian running down the street and stuff. I was all you know, choreographed and, and cinematic, but uh, he said the evil within two is that was supposed to be significantly better than the first one. And the first one was pretty good. So I'm going to have to check that out um, eventually when I get done with all of the other stuff, since I have very little time to actually play these things. Sounds great. Yeah. Nice. And, and the last little news event, I know we're kind of talking a little bit more about news this week is this is actually in relation to the podcast because the three of us kind of decided to do this about a year ago on and off while chatting while working on a big Halloween costume contest for the place where Jimmy and I work, uh, Full Sail University. Uh, this podcast is not affiliated with it, but we both work there. And, and we all love Halloween. And we all love Halloween, so we got the opportunity to do a costume contest. It was a full stage production. It was in the same facility that hosts the WWE NXT events. So the big lighting system, you know, smoke machines, whole thing. We did an apocalypse thing last year with projection and stuff. Yeah, it actually turned out uh, really good. Yeah, it did. And uh, so this year we had a little bit less of a budget, and NXT was actually going to be recording some wrestling in the facility. So we had to kind of make do on our own. So um, this time, just because of when we're working on it, Rob's been unable to because he's been, um, you know, broken. Either in, yeah, either injured or do, we're doing it during work hours. Uh, we've been doing a retro horror theme, and we actually have, since the school is at film school and media school and web and stuff like that, 
we have access to sound stages and sets. So for our retro horror theme, we are doing um, a series of little scenery and little, not really skits so much as just little interactive areas where people can take pictures with Freddy and Jason and Leatherface. Little vignettes, and, if you will. Yeah, exactly. If you've been to Halloween Horror Nights, which you know we've talked about, they occasionally have these little mini sets that you can like go take pictures in. Uh, what else? We got uh, Poltergeist, Friday the 13th, and uh, Jimmy's favorite. An American Werewolf in London. Yeah. So we've got a pub for that. Uh, Jimmy will be dressed as a werewolf for that. Yes, I will. You will uh, see pictures. Got, yep. We've got... And, and I did post pictures of some of the building going on. I was going to say, I've seen pictures of the set. The set looks really cool, I must yeah. admit. You guys did a good job with it. Thank, Thank you. you. Some of the sets were like pre-built, but we kind of added to them and stuff. Uh, we got the Poltergeist set, which is going to be two rooms from the from the house with the TV room, of course, and the, the fuzzy TV. And we're going to try to project a, a holographic ghost in that room. Uh, we'll see how that works. And, not of course, the, we're going to have the clown room. Yeah, not the artist that we saw last week, but... Yeah, no, yeah, not we're not going to project a ghost. <laughs> we're going to project a ghost. Uh, we've got a cabin set for Friday the Thirteenth. These are all indoor sets, and then outdoor we've got an alleyway that's going to be turned into the boiler room with you know, steam and red light for Freddy for Freddy's domain. A gas station which we've recreated the sign from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and kind of a suburban house for Halloween. So that's kind of why what we've been kind of keeping ourselves occupied with for Halloween and there there are pictures of the in progress stuff going on that have been appear, appearing on the the Facebook page if you want to check that out of course that is give me five podcast on Facebook and and just to point out I want to make sure because there are probably people like me who may not listen to it but the band that we keep referring to actually spells their name G O S T correct that is correct. Okay. That's why people keep calling it Ghost. <laughs> they did it specifically to confuse you. I, I imagine they did, yes. There's also like eight other bands named Ghost. Like there's one from the like, 60s and 70s, and then there's gotcha. one that's currently touring, and then there's one with different symbols over the letters and stuff like that. So that's kind of why they do it. And, and Craig always does this thing, as he did uh, just a couple of sentences ago, where even if it's one person... Greg will refer to the act or uh, artist as they. That's true. So Ghost is actually just one person. That is true. As is Moondragon, which I'm sure Greg will say they or them when he refers to Moondragon. He might have multiple Moondragon. personalities. We don't know. Well, but when you call him out on it, he'll say, no, I'm talking about Ghost and Moondragon together. Yeah, see? <laughs> That's what I'm doing. <laughs> So, guys, let's get right into it. Starting with our five this week, I think we will talk about a concert that Greg and myself attended to. Yeah, it was re- it was really good. Yeah. So, as mentioned previously, we discussed Ghost. We discussed Dance with the Dead. Thank you, Tony, for your input on our video game portion of that. And Moondragon. Greg and I went and saw aforementioned bands or acts at Will's Pub in Orlando. It was a really cool opportunity to get to see, as myself, I've seen Ghost in uh, in concert before, um, actually with Moondragon, but this is the first time that Dance with the Dead has come around the Orlando area, and it is a growing form of music. I guess it's the synthwave genre, as we've discussed in the past, and I'm really glad to see more of these concerts happening and it's great it was great to funny see. before you got there sure. jimmy yeah 
there was a bunch of people kind of standing around, and one of them was like walked over to some other guy. He was wearing like a synthwave Darth Vader shirt, like a neon looking Darth Vader shirt. He's like, "Oh, I really like your shirt." He's like, "Yeah, it was the only synthwave shirt I had." And he's then some other guy walked up with like a a synthwave. I don't know what it was, it was like an Airwolf shirt or something. It's like, oh, that's really cool. It's like all these like very eighties looking nice. styles and designs. Like everyone was wearing like their shirt and like compliment commenting on it. It was really weird to hear someone other than you know, the two of us say the word synthwave or to like read it on a website. <laughs> it's like okay, I'm amongst our people apparently. Yeah, I hate to be snobby about it and say we were on the the train for this before anybody else, but we kind of were. Um, it's rare that we get to do that, so yeah, we'll were, accept it. You were on it in the 80s. Exactly. <laughs> so opening the concert was a local act by the name of Moon Dragon, who is also a Full Sail graduate and a really, really nice guy. Moon Dragon, really is. Yeah, Moon Dragon just put out a new album. I think it's called F1. It's about race, like F1 racers. It is actually called Grand Prix. Is it? Yep. Well, I was wrong again. I apologize. <laughs> yes, you were. Well, but we we know you have trouble getting names correct, so we'll count that as a name. That's true. But it was a, uh, you know, Moon Dragon's great. He's a solo act, as is Ghost, not Ghost. But, you know, I've seen Moon Dragon in concert before, and he had a little bit of a larger setup this time. And I'm really, really encouraged. He's a super busy guy. I think he has a, a new baby. Um He's got a full time job. He works job. for EA. <laughs> he does work for EA. Uh, he's never com- he's never complained about it. He's had nothing but good things to say, by the way. Yeah, but definitely do check out. I mean, all the acts that we're talking about: Moon Dragon, um, Dance with the Dead is also a synthwave act, but they're very heavily um, guitar themed. I believe both of the members of Dance with the Dead were actually members of heavy metal bands, and they're they're kind of both lead guitar players so they kind of layer that over your synth you know heavy music and they had some really freaking cool graphics playing behind them their artwork was incredible i think they said that they have three artists that they work with yes their artwork that's on their albums that's on their t-shirts that's on really the poster they were giving away stuff was all really good stuff that i would have i mean i have a free poster here that was signed by both of them through and they gave me four free stickers as well and i would have paid i would have paid money for any of those because it's it's top-notch art it's not just like i'm this up-and-coming band and i have a cousin that can draw this was like professional quality work with very very cool zombie skeletons yeah um they had it themed you know with they they had graphics playing as did moon dragon uh moon dragon very much weaves his music with his visuals as did dance with the dead um they were great they were loud they did different things you know these guys just don't stand there and and not move around they have a really good stage presence and they were fantastic uh ghost headlined the show and the last time that i saw ghost was actually at the same venue at will's pub on super bowl sunday and Hopefully won't get in trouble for saying Super Bowl. But <laughs> um, last time around, Ghost, on his album Non-Paradisi, he wore this really cool skull mask. And he was kind of all decked out in leather. And um, it was just kind of him on the stage last time and had the lights sync to the music, which was great. But this time... 
when Ghost came out and he started doing his his intro, I am just kind of standing there going, "Is this the same guy?" I, he was wearing a hoodie with a very large hood that yeah, it's like a hoodie that almost had like a monk hood or like a shroud top. Yeah, and he hmm. um, had a black mask on a black mesh mask so you you can't see his face um if you look at any media with him he covers his face he's very much an enigma um and he opened the lights were very red the whole time it was almost like a ritual and he opened like walked out with a little skull in his hand uh uh not a little skull not like a little hey look at this cute little keychain i have it was a full-size human skull and it it could have been real for all we know. And he could have actually harvested that thing himself. He probably uses it to drink wine out of at night. And... Yeah, exactly. Uh, last time I saw him, he was drinking Yingling. So, probably <laughs> drinks Yingling out of that skull. Out probably, of the skull. Probably smells <laughs> terrible. But, uh, I don't believe the track that he opened with is actually released yet. Um... What I don't remember hearing that. No, what I found very different this time was he had a microphone in front of him. And I, I guess it's a new direction he's taking, um, maybe a, a new exploration. But the first track that he opened with, it was a very heavily death metal influenced um, electronic track. And he was screaming, and it was fantastic. But, like... The death metal growl was actually created digitally, it seemed like. He was screaming into the microphone, though. Yeah, but, like, it had, like, a, a digital effect to it. Mm, it. Yeah, it could have been. It could have also been just too loud. But it is rumored that Ghost has been in several death metal bands before. So I'm not surprised if that scream was real. But he did play another track, at least one track, where he did do the vocals on it. He was very animated. Uh, last time I saw him, he actually knocked his entire set over because he was jumping around so much. Um, he, like Moondragon, had a larger set. He was more involved with the instruments than he was the, uh, you know, jumping around trying to break everything. But it did not disappoint. You know, guys, check out the artists that we've we've talked about. Check out Moondragon. Check out Dance with the Dead. You will be hearing some of that tonight. And uh, definitely check out Ghost as well. It's G-O-S-T. I'm just going to stick with the music thing. Sure. Because, uh, you know, our second thing here, the, the Midnight did release an album, and The Midnight you've heard on pretty much the beginning and end of every episode that we've done so far, other than the Game of Thrones ones and a couple other ones where I've thrown different music in. Uh, Midnight did release an EP. It's about seven songs. Uh, Midnight, as we've told you before, it's uh, two two musicians. Uh, Tyler or Tim McEwen and Tyler Lyle. Uh, McEwen is a producer, and Lyle is the vocalist, and I believe writes most of the lyrics. Uh, they actually work across the country, which is kind of interesting. Where uh, one of them lives in L.A. and the other one um, lives somewhere on the East Coast. I guess New York, maybe. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, the album's great. It's, uh, you know, seven very strong songs. Uh, Crystalline, which has been out for a little while now, a couple weeks, which you know, I fell in love with the first time I heard it. Was you know, it's on the album as well. Uh, you know, they, I know that they paired up with a couple other musicians on this album. They, they paired up with Nikki Flores again, and her vocals are incredible. And I really have to look up some of her other stuff. I know, Jimmy, you like her as well. Yeah, she's got a great voice. 
Yeah, and uh, Time Cop 1983, they did a song on that called Rivers of Darkness, which is which is actually one of my favorite on this album. And, you know, it's just really fun, summer-sounding synth music. It's uh, I've heard many reviews say something along the lines of the their first album was kind of like their first major album, which was the previous album. It was kind of like a summer teenage fling, and this is the adult version of that fling that actually has real-life consequences, which I thought was kind of an interesting review. Hmm. And um, I guess, uh, what song did you like the best, or what's what stood out to you, Jimmy? Rivers of Darkness is fantastic. Um, but I've got to say that Light Years featuring Nikki Flores, which is a, um, a follow-up, I guess, to a track on Endless Summer called Jason, uh, where it's, I, I wouldn't say it's so much of a, a duet, but it is a back and forth between you know, the male lead and the female vocals, Nikki Flores. Um, I think she has just got, and, and I'm no expert, but I think she has just amazing control over her voice. Um, she, she sounds very different. It's, it's a very fun track. Um, I, I also like crystalline, but I have listened to that so many times since it came out. Um, because it was the the single Shadows, which is the first track on there. My least favorite track on there is Tokyo Night Train. Um, that's the last track on there. Yeah, I actually agree with that too. It's it's kind of a certain mood kind of song, I guess. But overall, I usually skip, I usually skip out of that one about halfway through it. I generally hear the opening and I just kind of click away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good, but it doesn't match the mood of the rest of the album to me. Makes sense. I saw you, I see you put here that um, that Light Years is the spiritual successor to Jason from the Endless Summer album. And what what did you think Jason was about? Uh, male prostitution. Oh, well, I thought it was about, like, Jason from Friday the 13th. No. The line, Jason, tell me what you're chasing. And I just thought it was kind of like a like tongue-in-cheek thing. And then I saw the words to the rest of the song. I'm like, okay, yeah, not it. So I was only wrong for a very short period of time, but... Still, I was almost wrong at a very bad time because I was about to ask him about it. <laughs> I, I chatted back and forth with him. And I was going to be like, so tell me, is this that? And then I'm like, I should probably read the lyrics before I make myself sound like a complete moron. So I, I decided to read the lyrics. And yes, I was sounding like a complete moron. Yeah, there's a lyric there that says, uh, like you said, it says, Jason, tell me what you're chasing. And then the follow up to that is because the night alone will never give you what you want. Um, but what that is, it's a it's about a fling uh, you know, that the two had, and I, I guess, you know, one of them took it more seriously than the other and said, you know, basically, um, you know, you can keep running, but you know, you're, you're not going to find what you want. Um, definitely my favorite track on there is, is the follow-up to that, which is called light years. Uh, check them out the midnight. Hopefully they, hopefully they tour soon. Um, they are playing a show upcoming in LA. Like Greg said, they're, they're kind of distant from each other. So putting together a national tour, uh, might not be feasible at this point in time, but fingers crossed. I'll be there. If they hit anywhere in the south, I'm going. The same. Yeah. I so might we're, have we're gonna, to go also. You should. We're going to have to uh, stick with the future. Um, and Rob, tell us about the Orville. Ah, well, it's uh, it's the new uh, TV season, uh, TV season time. Uh, so all of our shows are coming back. 
Um, super excited that Walking Dead is back, but I'm sure we'll discuss that at some other point. Um, but one that I've found recently that I didn't really hear much about. I just happened to kind of catch a uh, commercial for it one day while I was at work. I was on a lunch break or something, and I saw a commercial for it. And I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. It's called The Orville. It uh, stars uh, Seth MacFarlane, Adrian Palicki, uh, Scott Grimes. Um, and it's kind of like a Galaxy Quest type uh, TV show. So it's like a spoof on Star Trek but more along the lines of like Galaxy Quest where they're kind of irreverent. They're not you don't really get the whole paramilitary feel that you get with Star Trek. I mean, everything's kind of loose and funny and I mean, you definitely feel a lot of the um family guy influence. So, you'll have you'll have times where and and it's it's at heart a comedy, but they do address certain certain more serious issues in a light heart. When I was watching it I felt the same way. I was like, wow, this show actually seems like it has real-life consequences, mm-hmm. and it's funny. Right. And so you can definitely see, like, the Family Guy influence. And and just like Family Guy, there are times where, like, the jokes will miss, and you're like, I don't, I don't know. But rarely does an episode go by that I watch where I don't laugh out loud several times throughout the episode. So it, it's, it's a very entertaining show. One of... Uh, one of my favorite episodes was the the moral outrage episode, if you will, the one that was called About a Girl. And I really mm-hmm. like what they did, without giving too much of it away. I really like what they did with it. I I wasn't sure I was going to, but how it ended really kind of set the episode up for me. And I really enjoyed how it ended and how they got there and all of that. That and episode I, was interesting because between every five to seven minutes... Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was going a different direction. Right. Like, right. Oh, okay, it's this kind of episode. Oh, okay, no, they're they're twisting it around. Okay, maybe they're trying, trying to prove a point this way. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, maybe it's this way. But it was done really fluidly, and whenever new facts were brought in, it made it well done. Yeah. And there were, there were times where I rolled my eyes at it, and I'm like, oh, it's going to be one of these. And then they pull you back in with something else, and you're like... Okay, maybe they can save this. And then at the end, like I said, I, I, I really liked the way it ended. And it, I, I, I really appreciated that. But all of the episodes so far, the, the only one that I had to push through was the pilot. Did you have that, Did you have that issue, Greg? Yeah, the pilot I thought was a little slow. The pilot, the pilot I felt was really slow. It didn't really hook you in, but I stuck with it. And the other episodes are better. And it is actually a very episodic TV show. So you don't have to have like seen all of the other episodes to watch an episode. You know what I mean? You know, oh, the good. thing I felt about the first episode was it was almost like someone explaining a joke. Like, something would happen, and then they had three people try to explain to you what had just happened. Y- yeah, like, I, and, I can see But it was like that. humor yeah. side of things. Jokes aren't yeah, funny when you like, have to explain them. So, like, you know, someone would show up and be like, oh, that's so-and-so's ex-wife. And then a few seconds later, be like, oh, so how is your ex-wife? Like, we got the point the first time. Or we could have just figured it out from the dialogue. Yeah. That does sound very Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, so that that was weird. But then when it started really moving along, you really liked that one episode you were talking about, the About a Girl one. I, I don't know the name of it, but the most recent episode that was this past week, I believe it was last Thursday. It was that one. It was the one that was up. titled after the enemies. Um, oh, what are they called? Yeah, so it was about like they they had to impersonate the the enemy aliens, which were basically the the Klingons, the Krill, the Krill, the, the Krill. Yeah, so like the warlike enemies, they had to person impersonate them and. It was your very typical, like, you know, sneak aboard another ship and or sneak into some other base and something like, oh, 
who's your commander? And they kind of do the try to make up a name stuff. But it was it was just really well done. It was and it was actually funny. Uh, and it, especially when they started getting into the religion side of things. Well, and also at the end of that one, they hit you with a with another like moral quandary kind of thing, and it was like, oh, what you slipped this in on me while I was laughing at all of this. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so why the, is the show called the Orville? Uh, that is the name of the ship. That is the why name is it the of name the, of the ship? That's just what they called it. I don't know that they've explained why it was called that. Like the like the Enterprise, you know, it's. I don't know that they actually explain why they call it the Enterprise. That just happens to be the name of the ship. I'm right. look it up. But feel free to talk about other things while I'm doing so. <laughs> but it, it's it's definitely an enjoyable show. Um, check it out. Greg and I were talking about it a little bit beforehand. I don't know that it'll serve... Like, Greg was saying that Seth MacFarlane said that it was already going to be renewed, that it was going to be picked up for another season. It was. It's a show that I could see dying off after one season, or maybe two or three. But we'll see what happens. Um, I enjoy the show, but I also decently. I also really. I also really enjoyed Firefly, and they killed that one really quick too. So the show's doing decently, but it probably takes a lot to produce. It's a pretty big cast, and of course, it's very sci-fi, special effect heavy. Yeah, the ship is named the Orville because of Orville Wright. So it's a it's a callback to the Father of Flight. Uh, oh, okay. The Wright brothers. Okay. We probably could have guessed if we just thought about it for a second instead of, uh, you know. Well, I was thinking Orville Redenbacher. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually where I went to. <laughs> I, I actually I don't know how that would make any sense, but. And then my head was kind of going to, like, well, wait, what was the name of the guy that wrote Star Trek? And that was Roddenberry. I'm like, nah, that's not it. But the yeah, Redenbacher and, Roddenberry and, thing. And, and, so. and, che- and cheesy dad joke for everybody if two wrongs don't make a right, what do two rights make? An, An airplane. airplane. Yep. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I was going to mention this earlier. I'm, I'm going to throw you a trivia. I'm going to throw you guys a, a trivia question. Who is Bidlow Querve? And don't look it up. I have um, no idea. Bidlow Querve is a talking hyena um, that saves humanity from an alien invasion. Not true. Bidlow Querve is possibly one of the most unheralded people in the Star Wars universe. He is the person that the skull once belonged to that Luke Skywalker uses to kill the Rancor. He was one of he was a Corellian smuggler that Jabba the Hutt was unhappy with and threw him into the Rancor pit to feed his to feed his Rancor. And as of, according to Star Wars canon, Bidlow Querve is the, the owner of that skull. So had Bidlow Querve not died in the Rancor pit, Luke Skywalker would have also died in the Rancor pit in Return of the Jedi. That was my weird trivia fact of the day. Of the day? Are you sure you haven't been waiting all week to drop that one? No, on that was I learned it today. Thank you, io9.com or something like that. But that also goes to prove that Star Wars has really pretty much named everything. <laughs> Including the little spider robot that hangs out at, at the doorway at Return of the Jedi. That is a Bomar monk, by the way. <laughs> Just saying. Nerd! Thanks, <laughs> yeah. I fully expect you guys to wedgie me the next time you see me. Oh man! Okay, gladly. So that takes us away from the Orville. I think uh, Jimmy and I wanted to talk just a little bit about um, the lore TV series, and I think we actually have differing opinions on it. So, shall I? I, I will introduce it, I guess, and then we'll we'll debate. Uh, lore is another podcast, so and they are one of the big podcasts, and you know, so I've, I, I'm pretty confident that you guys have either heard of it if you've also found us. Uh, it basically tells 
tales of creepy, crazy things that have happened throughout history. Very well researched, very well produced, about 30 minutes long. And they ended up getting signed for both a book and a six-episode first season of a TV series on Amazon Prime streaming. You may have a, If you have Amazon Prime, you have the show. Nice. There you and go with that they thing again. It's a they. Is it not a they? Laura is written and produced by Aaron Mankey. But he now has a research assistant, and the TV show is produced by a whole team of people. Okay. So I can say they. That's executive produced by Gail Ann Hurd. Yes, executive produced by Gail Ann Hurd, who also executive produces The Walking Dead. So, uh, they have they did uh, released all six episodes, and uh, I've watched five of the six. Jimmy, I think you've watched three of the six. So, what do, what do you think? Four of the six, sorry. What do you? What is your opinion so far? Well, you made a point that um, I thought the first episode was boring. I thought the second episode was even more boring <laughs> and overacted. Uh, Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> no, I mean it's he's that's he's allowed to have that. Yeah. Opinion. Oh no, absolutely, absolutely. I I thought the format, and and I feel like even through the four episodes that I've seen, the format has remained inconsistent. Um, from the animation being different, from the timing being different, it's it it kind of throws you for a loop a little bit, especially with the first episode being what it was, without too many spoilers, and then the second episode being black and white and very very different. It mm-hmm. almost felt like it was trying to go in two different directions. Um, however, by episode three, I said, okay, this is this is better. Uh, I do find myself at times whether it's just old ways of thought thinking oh man how can these people actually think this way but yeah people actually thought that way in certain times when someone's acting different are they a changeling or someone in your household dies and then someone else dies of the same disease was it a vampire or are they a vampire sucking a life force away kind of thing and these Um, are all stories that they talk about yeah, episode four actually had more star power than the other three that I've seen, in that it had T one thousand himself, Robert Patrick, yes, playing the lead role. Currently and, starring on Scorpion as well, as well as a whole bunch of other things. But I thought that episode was really good. It looked exactly how I pictured that episode, which is called Passing Notes that episode of the lore podcast um it looked exactly how i thought it would yeah i thought what did you think i did enjoy it it might be because i'm in that mood yeah i'm in the kind of spooky halloween mood i've the weird thing is i've uh, these are very closely based on the the various podcasts so i've listened to all of them i know these stories pretty well some of them i listened to more than once i read his book and a lot of the books are they're not transcripts but they're very close um i think they added things in there to lengthen the episodes, and I'm not, I'm not sure if it wouldn't have been better if they were... I mean, look, it's Amazon Prime. It doesn't have to fit into a 30-minute or an hour. I think it would have been better as about trying to come in at a 38-minute to 45-minute situation. It just kind of seems like what it would have been better. I know what you mean about the second episode, which was about lobotomies, and it was, it was, set, it was set in, like, the 30s and 40s. Boring. And so it was about it was, lobotomies and not Lobo toys. Yeah, but I... I was ty- I don't know what, how that got typed <laughs> wrong. He's referring to my typo on the script. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that one was 
kind of interesting. It was definitely painful to watch. Like, not painful like because it was bad, but painful because it talked about you know giving people an ice pick lobotomy. It was painful to watch and painful to listen to. Yeah, because you heard the sound of like the That's metal that. hammer hitting the metal ice pick as, it, and you knew it was like in someone's like tear duct. Um, they did bring up some very interesting stories about one of the Kennedy, you know, one of Kennedy's sisters who was lobotomized because she was a little bit on the wilder side and didn't fit the what the family wanted. So they lobotomized her, and you know, she only recently died. And she lived in you know assisted living for years after that. So that one's a little more modern. And the weird thing was is that they like recorded black and white footage for this and it was really high def quality footage and then they kind of threw a, a filter over to make it look like it, it was scratchy and like mm-hmm. after a while you could actually sit, find yourself like picking out the pattern of the scratch like oh here's that little white dot that's going to appear, appear in this corner and then it's going to appear again it's kind of a weird yeah, way they did it I feel like that episode did not need to be black and white I'm not too sure what the reason for that was because all of the ones you know all of the episodes take place in, in old timey days mm. um I don't really, I, I guess because, you know, all the pictures you see of Rosemary Kennedy might be in black and white, but it, it did paint a very in- interesting tale of, yeah, she was a little bit, you know, more wild and uh, her behavioral patterns were, were different than those of the others. So they had her lobotomized and after she was lobotomized, she was, like you said, in assisted living for years and required a lot of, uh, a lot of attending to. And uh, it was just a horrific uh, medical treatment, you know, before, uh, you know, behavioral medicines were introduced to the market. And yeah. it was pretty, pretty awful. Yeah. The uh, the sixth episode is about Robert the Doll, who mm. currently lives in Key West and terrifies me. Um, I actually had a group of friends that went down <laughs> to Key West for a, for a bachelor party and we were camping and, and we were thinking about going to see it, but there were just enough of us that were idiots that would, would have probably taunted Robert the doll. And while I'm not entirely sure how well, I, how much I believe that stuff, I don't want to find out that I'm wrong. So I think we kind of ended up not going. Some of those people listen to this and they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> but Robert the doll, the story has always kind of terrified me. And if you ever see Robert the doll or look him up, it's pretty terrifying. And if he uh, is also listening to this, he's a, he's a lovely doll and I in no way want to be murdered by him. So Yes, please don't Robert. Rob, however, made fun of you a lot. I did no such thing. <laughs> we are three adult men terrified of a myth about a doll. But uh, he lives in a, in a museum. Uh, I think Annabelle was sort of t- based off of it. I haven't seen those movies yet. But I think Annabelle was kind of based on it a little bit, or The Conjuring kind of mentions it a little. But um, that's a TV series. You know, it's if you want something spooky for Halloween, um, it's, I think it's definitely worth catching up on. Um, but if you if you're looking for something just to like drive when you're driving to work, um, listen to the lore podcast. There's what 60, 70 episodes at this point. Very well researched, very well produced, and I think in a way better than the TV show. And I think both of us would agree on that part. So nice. Okay. Well, that'll bring us to our last topic, um, and I think all three of us actually saw this. I did. It was, yes. It was the uh, fan film Never Hike Alone. And yes, lead us into it, there, Jimmy. Uh, Never Hike Alone is the first Friday the 13th offering that we've had in eight years, uh, although not officially tied to the franchise. It, Like Rob said, it was a crowdfunded fan film uh, directed by Vincente DeSanti, and it was published to YouTube under the 
production studio called Womp Stomp Films, which you can find through our Facebook page or by simply searching uh, Facebook for Womp Stomp Films, W-H-O-M-P, Stomp Films. And it is nearly feature length. It's 50 minutes. And it does have a character who has appeared in two Friday the 13th movies who makes an appearance. Um, Look, it's great. You know, I, I personally thought while they they modernized it, and yeah, it's kind of from the perspective of a, a YouTuber, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't forced down your throat. Uh, the the YouTube personality that was the subject, in, not real, but that was the subject of the film, um, wasn't a douchebag. Yeah, I really I actually liked that character. Heading in, yeah. for when I first saw that it was about 50-something minutes, I was like, oh boy. I was in a hotel. I was at the Legoland Hotel, actually, watching it. I'm like, okay. So sitting there with my like iPad on my lap, watching. I was like, okay, do I really want to get into 50 minutes? And I was riveted the whole time. When it was over, I was like, wow, that was fast. And when I saw that he was a YouTube personality or a fake YouTube personality, I was like, oh, okay, so it's going to be a lot of references to that. Not, I am not one for YouTube personalities. In fact, neither am I. Most most of them, I'm I have no use for whatsoever. And I, there was one part, and I told, I think I told Jimmy this, possibly both of you guys, mm-hmm. one part that immediately made me like it was, they show a clip of him doing like a paid sponsorship. Yeah. And he's, he picks up a shovel and he starts talking about it and then he screws up and he reaches down, picks up like a note card and he reads it and he's like, ah, piece of crap, not his words, but close enough. And he's like that little bit of personality, that little bit of something that I've actually done. I mean... You've heard the the bleeps and stuff at the end of the episode of all the times <laughs> I, screw, I screw up the own, my title of my own or of our uh, own podcast. Yeah, that little piece of humanity made me actually care about that character throughout, and it was just a little cutaway, a little showing you know showing him to be human. That it was just great. And and I'll have to admit it, I was a little worried about it when I first started watching it because I thought it was going to be one of those uh, first person view movies where they do like the entire thing through the shaky handy cam yeah, found footage yes film. which which i which i absolutely detest i do not like those those types of films at all i think it's i think it's cheap and i think it's a i think it's a gimmick and i know that i've i've had people tell me oh well you know they put so much money into that to make it look that way i'm like it looks like they're cut it, it looks like they're doing it to save money i'm like the, the movie is crap when they do it like that and it drives me insane and it makes me nauseous i can't watch those types of movies and it, i i just hate them but they they space it out with actual well shot footage from decent cameras, and you get like flashes of of the the shaky handy cam along with um, decent shots from regular cameras. And you know, I was um, when it started, I was a little fearful of that because um, while I do enjoy found footage films, I was really worried that that might throw a lot of people away from it and say, Oh, it's one of these and turn it off within the first couple of minutes. Um, there were, and I cheered out loud when the kind of first shot, the throwback to the other Friday the 13th films where you can kind of have the perspective of Jason and the point of view of the camera leans out from behind a tree Mm -hmm. and then it leans back and I lost it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, just watched Friday the Thirteenth a couple of days before I watched that, mm-hmm. and I was so it was very fresh in my mind when I saw it. I was like, oh yeah, okay, these people are really fans. Yeah, yes, for sure. They they did a really good job with it. Um, they they did not get away from the from the horror traps that everybody seems to fall into when they're in these in these scary movies where characters make really stupid decisions for unknown reasons. Um, <laughs> this this guy did it a couple of times, and then at the end of the film, they did it, and there was a couple of convenient plot uh, plot twists. I'm like, wait, that they would never People do that. People acting out of character for the scare. Right, right. I'm like, that That would never happen. Why, why are you doing it that way? Um and and this, they, involves, this involves a medical situation because you've told me about this and even though we have a spoiler warning thing this is a this is a fan-made kind of right uh, thing of love so I'm not going to really spoil anything at the end right, right. but it was it's on you it was blatant enough that you actually asked me about it you were like would they really do that and I'm like no no they would they would not do that <laughs> yeah um kind of speaking to that although you know there are some kind of convenient plots, plot twists, plot traps, I guess, especially towards the end. And, and I know exactly what scene you're talking about. But the other thing I was fearful of, uh, putting the main character in the position of a survivalist-type YouTuber, mm-hmm. um, I was worried that the, the actor uh, or the role would... While would have been trying to be a survivalist, but he would have made really dumb decisions. He would have been unprepared, and he wouldn't have been believable in that role. I really thought he was believable in that role. He was. I, I, yeah. And I thought he was a really good actor for someone that was. Yeah, I guess. I guess they said I looked him up. He was something about a baseball player for like Santa Barbara College or something. But he was good, and he he's been in a couple of small things. Yeah. Yeah. But all in all, I mean, I have to say that I did enjoy. I did enjoy the the uh, the film. There were a couple of things that I was like, "Come on, really?" <laughs> but but all in all, it was it was actually really well done, and you can find the entire the entire movie on YouTube. Yeah, for free. It's, for free. They did it. They did it self funded. They're not trying to make any money on it. Uh, if honestly, if they ever make another Friday Friday the Thirteenth movie, I want these guys in charge of it. <clears throat> There's no reason why not. It was, it was engaging with the budget they had. I can only imagine what they could do with a little more of a budget. Yeah, and uh, it's called Never Hike Alone. In case you guys missed that from the beginning, and uh, and you know, check it out on YouTube. Yeah, definitely get the YouTube app on your PlayStation, your Xbox, your Steam machine, whatever it is. Watch it on a big TV. Turn the lights off and turn the volume up. Yeah. Don't watch it on a cell phone. Please don't. I watched it on an iPad Pro. It's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Okay, and last but not least, the big question. Uh, Halloween is on our mind. I believe this is the second to last episode before Halloween comes. And all of you guys need to be go out and get, going out and getting your candy to give to the kids. And we're going to talk about what the favorite Halloween candy of each of our, of our podcasters here is. Uh, I have a feeling this one's going to get heated. So, go ahead. I don't really like hot candy, but heated get it oh no, no. well no. i can go first i thought you were i thought you were going i was looking at your list and be like he didn't put any like cinnamon candy on there what does he mean no. hot candy um i i can go first 
if you want. And when posed with this question, I think back to not just my favorite candy, but my favorite candy that I got on Halloween that I can remember getting in my my basket um, or bucket, what have you, suitcase, pillowcase, not suitcase. Um <laughs> I picture Jimmy walking down with one of them little rolling <laughs> suitcases. suitcases. <laughs> like a like a stewardess. <laughs> yeah. Um one candy that I always only seem to get on Halloween were the little miniature three musketeers bars. And it was like the only time of the year I got them. So number 5 for me is going to be three musketeers and I'm I'm it's hard to to place these so I'll just run them down. Uh number 4 I put airheads. Um, those were always one of the more substantial, one of the larger pieces of candy. So I always mm-hmm. felt like whoever ponied the, the money up for those really cared uh, about me yeah, yeah. and my my teeth. Um, <laughs> number three, I'd have to say lemon heads. Uh, I love lemon heads. Have you had lemon heads recently? No, I have not. Are they not the I same? think. I'm not one of those people that complains about the government. Well, recently I am, but <laughs> not normally one of those people that complains about the government. It's a conspiracy. But, but I legitimately think the government screwed up Lemonheads because I am sure there was some sort of chemical in there that made them delicious and more palatable. And I just ate one yesterday. Uh, my son went trick-or-treating on Sorority Row at UCF for a cool little event that was like a boys and girls club event. But like everyone from, from the area could go to it. And one of the houses gave out Lemonheads and they're just not as good. They're like waxier and less flavor, hmm. and I really think they took out some sort of horrible chemical and made it less tasty. That's a shame. Yeah. Uh, number two, oh. Reese's cups. Yes, we love them. Can't go wrong. And my number one uh, is going to be Warheads. Um, it's like three candies in one. Yeah. Uh, there's that extreme intense sour part, then the sweet part, and you have that little kind of chalky center. Um, those are my five. Okay. I'm going to go next. Starting off with nerds. Love them. If, were, if you really wanted to just kind of eat one candy, you could kind of pick and choose them a little bit. Or if you wanted to dump the whole box in your mouth, nerds. I never love picked it. and choose one. No, I would, I would. Yeah. At times. The, the, the whole box got dumped in the mouth. Yep. Yeah. Well, fine. I, uh, then I'm going to go down to raisinettes. Gross. Yeah, there's always, there's always the house that would give raisins, and you knew that they were getting raisins thrown back at their house, but, but you throw some chocolate on those raisins, and that's still my, my movie candy of choice. Yes. The, the good old raisinettes. Raisinettes are awesome. Yeah. And then I'm going to go with M&M's, the old standby. Of course. Delicious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure why anyone cares if they melt in your mouth and not in your hands, and they do, in fact, melt in your hands. <laughs> if anyone that have anyone here that has a has a toddler knows that that is one hundred percent accurate. It's and the they government. totally they totally make your hand look like a tie dyed t shirt. <laughs> they do, they do, but they're delicious. Also, fun fact: microwave your M and M's, put them in a bowl, microwave them for about fifteen seconds. They're awesome. You can even make them battle to the death, where you take two M and M's of the same color, you squish them together, and whichever one breaks is the one you eat. The other one lives on for another battle. It's like M M&M and M Thunderdome. <laughs> I have problems. It's kind of weird. And, and then you take that last one and send it back to the company and says and say this one is genetically superior. Make more from this. Stock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, what what you actually do is you do all of each individual color, and then you have the epic battle of you know like the reds versus the blues, and so on and so forth. And then you get to the final one, and that's the one you send back to the company. Yep. 
Okay. You're welcome. You're welcome, people. <laughs> Someone's going to make a lot of money on me for therapy. Uh, um, then, of course, we have Twix. I'm not so sure. I, I'm a big fan of the little mini Twix. You got to get at least, you know, at least a full-size Twix bar in there. But delicious. And, of course, my number one, and I am 100% accurate on this one, is the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Yes. Yeah. You're you're wrong, but that's okay. Go on, Rob. <laughs> well, I'll I'll start with number five, and I gotta I gotta put nerds on there because I I do remember opening up those little bitty miniature boxes every Halloween, and like I said, you just dump that whole miniature box in your mouth, and you just kind of suck on that tart sweet candy for a little bit and chew it up, and yeah. Um, I wasn't comfortable with the way you described yeah, it. <laughs> I, I was gonna try and speed past it before anybody said anything, but no, that that didn't happen. It made me feel feel weird. <laughs> um, next, I'll probably... I'm now taking nerds off of my list. <laughs> <laughs> next, I'll probably run with Twix. I always loved the Twix. Um, I I really liked the, the full-size bars as opposed to the little snack-size ones. But the, the Twix are probably going to be in my top five, definitely. Um, after that is going to be Snickers, most likely. Um, Snickers is probably the, I, I would guess the number one candy given out at Halloween. I mean, that would be, that would be my initial guess, um, is that everywhere you go, you'll find a Snickers and it's usually the little, the little baby ones. And what, man, when you hit that house, that gives out those full size bars. Oh, I was about to comment <laughs> on that. My neighbor, across, my neighbor across the street does that. She's awesome. And she doesn't eat them. So. Whenever she's done each year, she brings over the the remainders to me. Oh man, you you as as a kid, you always tried to make like one or two trips to that one or two more trips to that house, you know. Um, so uh, Snickers is at number three. Number two is probably going to be Tootsie Rolls for me. I don't know what it is, but I loved those Tootsie Rolls, and the world looked mighty good to me because Tootsie Rolls was all I see. But um. <laughs> That's a weird one because you can buy those for like five cents still. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you 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 cram a whole bunch in your mouth and you just chew on the chocolatey goodness for a little while. Again, we're gonna go past that one without anybody saying anything. Um, but probably my number one favorite, and it's still and it's still my favorite candy bar to this day is Baby Ruth. I really like. Oh, you really are wrong. Yeah, no, no, you're you're wrong, and that's okay. But you like Werther's candies and pecan sandies too grandma <laughs> um well maybe the werther's not so much the pecan sandies but I, I i do like the werther's originals um you know you're pulling out the half suck werther's from your pocket here you want a candy um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah baby ruth was my favorite i always loved the baby ruths so those yes. are gonna be my five i'm gonna this is the worldwide best selling ready Number one, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Oh! 509.85 million. Wrong. Number two, M&M's, 500.82. Number three, Snickers, 456.91. Number four is the Hershey's, uh, the multi-mix pack. Number five is Kit Kat. Kit really? Kat. Oh, wow, I forgot about Kit Kat. Yeah, I did too. Actually, I'm giving away Kit Kats this year, so I should not have forgotten about it. But that's another one that has, it's, I don't know, some of them just don't taste as good as I remember. Maybe I'm just old. I like the big cat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The meal. So, I think, I feel like we're going to have to fight to the death quickly to get this this combined five here. So let's, uh, I'm going to do this. We, we all had, well, we got to get Reese's on there. Even though Rob is completely against it. I'm not completely against Reese's, it's just not in my top five. I'm going to put Snickers on there because I think that that was left out. Oh no, Rob 
did cover Snickers, and well, I like, have like to for, agree. for our yeah, like okay. I would have had nerds on my list, but the way he described them, I'm never going to be able to get them again. <laughs> no, I think you have to put nerds on there. But I think my number five is now Lemonheads. <laughs> but, uh, okay, we'll, put, we'll go ahead and put nerds on there. Yeah. Okay. One little box was never enough. Yeah, true, true. No. It's got to be the rainbow ones, too. I like the rainbow ones. Um, you both have Twix listed, and I will um, I will put that forward on the condition that it is a, they are full-size Twix. Full-size Twix. We're going full-size Twix. I will give you that one. Yep. All right. Okay. And what else? Mm. I'm thinking we, we've hit the we've hit the chocolate pretty hard. I'm, uh, I was going to say I really love the chocolate wasted. Milk, I want to get chocolate wasted. <laughs> okay, so you know that editing technique where they show you kind of the climax of the movie first, and then you watch the whole movie to get right up to that point again. Well, things got a little bit weird in this episode, so we're going to kind of cut here and finish up the uh, question. If you really want to know, you can check out the outtakes at the end. Thanks, guys. For me, the Warhead, I would always save the Warheads for the last candy of the night. Um, they were kind of like a dessert to top everything else off. Um, but I can eat Warheads until my mouth is raw and my stomach is sour. So, um <laughs> And the cool thing about Warheads is people usually grabbed a handful of them and would toss a handful in versus yep. just given given one or whatever. Okay, I think we're we're good on that. I'm gonna flip uh, full size Twix and Nerds. I think I think that's gonna be it. Oops. Okay, do it. So, our number five that we've agreed on our top five Halloween candies are number five Nerds, number four Warheads. Number three, Twix, but only the full-size candy bar. Number two, Snickers. And number one, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Excellent. I can live with that. (laughs) Okay, so thank you guys for listening. As always, uh, let us know what you think. You can contact us any of the ways that we have mentioned before. And uh, we're going to have a probably a special episode coming up. So got something special planned for you guys in the very near future, um, possibly our next episode. So keep an eye out. And again, special thanks to Katie Bernier for the awesome logo. Yes, thank you. And thank you guys for listening. And Rob, have anything to say? Perhaps an apology of some sort? See you next time! Tootsie Rolls look like little poops to me. I don't... That is my son's favorite candy, too. Tootsie Rolls? That is the one... Like, the other day, we were when we were doing the trick-or-treating thing, there was one fraternity had this entire coffin, like, fold-out coffin full of, like, really good candy, like, uh, you know, Baby Ruth and just everything. Like, all of the little candy bars. And then they had a little tiny, like, pumpkin next to it that had Tootsie Rolls in it. I'm like, hey, bud. And I tried to pick him up and let him look in the coffin. And he's like, I want those. And I'm like, but there's a... Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, there's a Twix, there's this. And he's like, I want that. And he picked a little tiny Tootsie Roll. And he's like, you're just going to eat the peanut butter cup anyway, Dad. That is accurate. <laughs> that is 100% accurate. I did. Okay. But. Was, <laughs> I hope somebody edits that out. 
What? <laughs> what did I? <laughs> did the mic pick that up? <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. What? Oh, did someone? You'll <laughs> hear it when you're editing, Greg. Uh, son of a bitch. So, number one. Um, I thought that he dropped something. <laughs> oh God! Um, I can't do it. <laughs> since Rob is, um, has, since Rob has nerve gassed himself, um, we can pretty much pick whatever we want for our fifth. Yeah, really, with the sour can, no warheads. Either of you. You know, I, I'm, I love I like heads. I, I wasn't one for sour candy. I never really liked sour candy. I actually like the warheads because it, again, it's it's three candies in one. You've got the like you said, the sour outside, then the the candy, and then it like fizzes in the middle. At least they used to. Are you okay? Oh man. No, it was only the one, man. It was only the one. <laughs> We're trying to have a very serious conversation about candy, and Rob's over there doing things. <laughs> oh, um, God. <laughs> I'm putting warheads in there. I will fight for those warheads. You can have them. I'm going to be the only one who uh, reigns it in, guys. Thank you so much for listening. A quick rundown of our five favorite candies. Are we, I, I, I think we got to... I edit this. Uh, so you our, think we have to our top five. Our top five is number one Reese's. 